Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and myself continue our discussion on the fourth article of the Augsburg Confession, Justification. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I'm Pastor Brett Bowe, and I have with me... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Brian Rickey. All right. We're still talking about justification. Yay! Yeah. We, we should probably prep the listeners on this just to know that it's not going to be our normal rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of the longest articles right. in the uh, Apology to the Augsburg Confession. In mm-hmm. fact, it is, I think, the longest stretch of content. Um, and so we're going to do, instead of two-part episode followed by two Bible studies... We're going to do a four-part episode followed by four Bible studies. And Mm, so this will be an eight-episode arc on justification. I'm really excited, looking forward Mm -hmm. to uh, hashing out um, nothing but good, rich, amazing theology in here. So really looking forward to it. Fantastic. Sweet. All right. Well, we talked about what justification isn't or Mm -hmm. is not Mm -hmm. in the previous episode, so I suppose we should talk about what justification is. Yep, we'll do that. So, Brett, you want to give us a refresher on the article? Yep, I'll reread the article, Article 4, Augsburg Confession. And the apology. And the apology. Bada bing. All right. Of justification, says, and also they teach that men cannot be justified before God by their own strength, merits, or works, but are freely justified for Christ's sake through faith, when they believe that they are received into favor and that their sins are forgiven for Christ's sake, who by his death has made satisfaction for our sins. This faith God imputes for righteousness in his sight. Romans 3 and 4. Amen. So there's four or five, depending on how you want to break it out, elements to that, the active definition. We we gave Mm -hmm. a succinct definition last week uh, to declare righteous, Mm -hmm. but there's content involved in that. There's activity that has to happen. So justification defined, and we can unpack it after we get these four or five elements out. It is free. Mm -hmm. It is for Christ's sake, involving his death and the shedding of his blood. It is received through faith mm-hmm. with the outcome that we have forgiveness of sins. Hmm. And, awesome. And really, this is absolutely necessary for us at every turn to define because we've hit a point in American church history, evangelical church history, however you want to classify it, where the term gospel has become almost an abstract vacuous concept that is just used as a label for any churchly thing, right? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Uh, You can do gospel ministry in the church without actually even ever talking about the gospel. And I would say, by and large, most preachers in America preach Mm. more about the gospel than they actually preach the gospel. That's a good check on all of us. Be careful how we say that. And, and, you know, it's just so easy to talk about the gospel, the gospel, the gospel without defining it. And um, I forget the source of the quote now, but it's the gospel assumed is the gospel denied. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, you know, excellent. You, it's, it's the gospel, it's the content of the gospel that must be preached for people to receive it by faith. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're left with there. And I mean, wherever you guys want to start, if we want to start mm-hmm. from the very beginning, we, we talk about how it's free. Hmm. You know, hmm. 
what a great concept that is that uh, this goes back to what we were talking about last week too, where we don't yeah. have any contribution to be right. made, yeah. but in fact, it's a free gift. I, I love those verses in Isaiah where he says, he who has no money, you know, come and buy, yeah. buy and, and eat. And yeah. I think that's a good kind of keeping the tension of, you know, we were talking last time about how it's not our our work or our efforts or something we're bringing, and yet it's still we're still believing and still trusting. But that's a gift of God, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you have no money, come and buy and eat. Yeah, yeah. Those, those two key verses that talk about that would be uh, Romans six twenty three: mm-hmm. the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And then Ephesians two eight and nine: for by mm-hmm. grace we have been saved. Uh, this oh, over it. Yeah. Uh, we, we forgive you. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> um, my brain yeah. okay. got Chipotle on the brain. We just say, uh, well, by grace we have been saved through faith, and this is not our own doing. This is the gift of God, mm-hmm. uh, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. There we go. It's back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we, as you mentioned, the gift involved in mm-hmm. Ephesians two eight and nine is both the grace God gives us mm-hmm. and the faith to receive that yeah. gift. Yep. And so good. It's it's free. It's without price. It's without uh, right, and it's it's not the chintzy cheap thing that you get for free, uh, like a free gift thrown onto something else. But it's it's uh, costly. Well, and it's paid it, for. It's it's amazing that you bring that up because there's a Baptistic. No, I'm not accusing Baptists as Baptists here, but it's it's in the more Baptistic traditions of American Christianity that reject the free grace of the gospel through the principle that is, if you don't have skin in the game, it's not going to be worth anything. Hmm. Hmm. And you'll hear that preached on occasion that Hmm. uh, it's kind of, there's that, there's that kind of whole genre of hymns, which includes the hymn that it's built off of. uh, Jesus has redeemed you. What have you done for Jesus? Hmm. Kind Mm -hmm. of a thing. And it erases the notion of the free gift of the gospel. It, mm-hmm. it eliminates that. And, and what we end up doing again in that situation is we immediately ignore the gospel, leave the gospel behind. We become uber focused and obsessed mm-hmm. with our contribution, with our response, with you mm-hmm. know how it is. And, and it's not, again, not to say that we shouldn't have a pious response to the gospel, not to say that our belief system shouldn't show up uh, in our lives, but that in and of itself has nothing to do with the article of justification. Mm-hmm. And, and again, as soon as we insert ourselves into the equation, assurance of salvation just explodes, mm-hmm. goes away, drifts off, and we lose it. Hmm. Assurance of so, uh, salvation and vocation. vocation. Two halves of the Christian yes. life. We're going to get a real heavy emphasis on that mm-hmm. first half. And, yeah. and if at the end of this article, Rightly if so. we've done a good job talking about justification, how it leads to assurance of salvation— vocation mostly sets itself up from that point mm-hmm. in time. You, if you are going you into... Rightly ordered. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're going into your Christian life with this absolute confidence that you have nothing left to do to earn God's favor, mm-hmm. to win his respect, to pay him back, then, you know, out of gratitude, like you always say, Brian, when you're talking about mm-hmm. worship and, yeah, yeah, uh, and, and out of thankfulness... Your mm-hmm. love for others just starts to flow out of you. It's, uh, you know, this notion in the Book of Concord again that faith alone justifies, but faith is never alone. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is always that response of faith. If we don't always under, you know, if we don't always root what we do for Christ 
uh, based upon whether it's a heart response to it. The whole difference that I, I, a lot of times I'll differentiate between, not because we have to, but because we get to, and hopefully because we want to, you know, because it's always really about a heart issue when we move mm-hmm. on from justification. Mm-hmm. And I know that I think the human tendency is to think that we have to somehow pay God back. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Not doing enough for Jesus. Little statements like that. Yeah, what have you done for Jesus right. lately? Stuff like all of those little manipulative yep. tools that people use to try to encourage sanctification. Whether their motives are pure or not, I'll let everyone else decide that. But I think it's, it's, it's dangerous mm-hmm. because I think that we start to send me- mixed messages. And we would, of course, call that mingling long gospel, mm-hmm. of course. But I would actually... Um, I think it's more of a guilt and shame tactic Mm, that mm -hmm. I just think is really overused in the pulpit. And I think that one, we understand justification and I really appreciate what you said that if you, you know, if if you don't really sit and spend time with this, you pretty much, if you ignore it, it, you've disavowed it in a sense, or you just take, take it for granted or don't value it. Yep. You know, and this is the greatest gift this universe has ever Mm -hmm. seen. Mm -hmm. And it did come at a high price. Mm -hmm. The, the, the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And if we can't, um, in the power of God's Holy Spirit, in a brutally honest way, and this is where 1 John chapter 1 comes in, because you mentioned this previous episode, we, in a brutally honest way, see that we absolutely bring nothing to the table in this. And that is really the the greatest place you can be, that that statement that in our weakness, Christ is strong or God Mm -hmm. is strong. And when we can see that we totally and entirely are dependent upon God's grace in justification, but also in sanctification, Mm -hmm. then I think that our hearts begin to change and it begins to melt in a way and becomes soft and, and humble and gentle and patient. And I think that if we can understand it from that perspective, that's where we're really honoring the gospel. That's when we're really honoring Christ's great sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you, you kind of mentioned that, you know, talking about what do I do to pay Jesus back? What am I contributing? The really interesting and honest theological answer to that is what we contribute to our salvation is our need to be saved. Yeah, right. our, our lives are constant validation of what Jesus had to do on the cross for mm-hmm. us. And, and when you miss that, you know, you, you fall into these crazy rabbit holes like, you know, the cross was divine child abuse mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or things like that. And again, this is why the first three articles are important to getting us to this point. But as you're talking, Brian, I was reminded about lyrics from one of my favorite <laughs> uh, DC talk songs. Oh, no. <laughs> We're really going there. But uh, the, it's, it's a cover they did. of. Yeah. In, it's called In the Light. Right. And and the the lead up to the chorus, what's going on inside me? I despise my own behavior. This only serves to confirm my suspicions that I'm still a man in need of the Savior. Oh, I love that song. Mm -hmm. And and those lyrics are so profound because what you were describing, Brian, is American Christianity in a nutshell. We only make use of the gospel when we're trying to convert someone. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. once they're Mm -hmm. brought into the church, the gospel is almost always abandoned altogether. And it seems to me, for those who are attending church regularly, that there are far too many churches where the only time they ever hear the gospel is accidentally. (laughs) The pastor will accidentally get to it. And it's a shame because it is the thing we need Mm -hmm. the most. If you, as a Christian right now, aren't excited about the gospel and excited about the impact Mm -hmm. it has on your life, there's two things you need to do. 
you need to repent of your apathy, mm-hmm. and then you need to hear the gospel. And that's how the gospel works, right? It, it, it's, it's, you, you know, you, you repent of your sins, re- repent of your cold-heartedness, repent of, uh, of what, you know, your, your pharisaical attitudes, repent of all of that sin. But the response to not appreciating the gospel enough is to hear more gospel, to hear it over (laughs) and over and over again, because that is the place in God's word where the Holy Spirit is working to soften your heart and to to transform you Mm -hmm. into that Christian that is repenting daily and receiving the gospel daily and having that assurance of salvation so that you can live your life on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yep, that's good. And that's, you know, it's it's maybe something that's against the grain of what is commonly accepted in among American Christianity. And ironically, it's probably the place we need to go to most. Well, it is in American Christianity and it makes for a good generic foil, but I think more or less everyone has this pretty accurate picture of what we're talking about here. It's not like we're, that's our whipping boy. Well, it is our whipping boy. (laughs) It it frees us from picking on a certain denomination over and over again because Mm -hmm. American Christianity is in the AFLC and American Mm -hmm. Christianity is in the Missouri Synod and Mm -hmm. it's in every other Lutheran denomination and it's in the E-Free and it's in the Baptists and it's in the Presbyterians. It's all over the place. It's ubiquitous. Thanks for for saying that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's this, this notion that it's, it's about me and what I'm doing. And so most sermons end up, give me something to do, pastor, give me something Mm -hmm. to respond to, give me something to, to improve. Mm -hmm. And then I can pat myself on the back and feel good about myself and eventually set myself up as an example at the church. And this is Mm -hmm. what mentorship is built on. Mm -hmm. It's look at me, look at me, look at me. When in reality, as we've been talking about the definition of the gospel, isn't about what me, who I am and what I'm doing. It's about who Christ is and what Christ has done for me. And that's why when we're talking about the gospel, we need to get to the shedding of Christ's blood. Mm -hmm. We need to get to the brutality, as you said, Brian, of the crucifixion. Mm -hmm. And we need to get to the glory of the resurrection. Without that, it's meaningless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, as you were, because you guys were discussing that, the thing that just struck me, and you know, you think about scholastics, and I'm talking about like doctorates and stuff like that. You think about how that all took place, you know, back in the first five centuries, and these guys didn't have logos, they didn't have commentaries on their <laughs> still on their blows show. me away. <laughs> these, these guys understood language in a way that probably their doctorate would make us look like a kindergarten. I mean, I'm just being mm-hmm. honest with you. Yeah. And it's so amazing how we in our modern arrogance can sometimes just think that we know more than they did. Yeah. And I think there's a tragedy. And I think this is where I, I believe the Eastern Orthodox and the Catholic Church could teach Protestants something in that there's a great value in the early church fathers. Of course, you can take that too far. But to think that we actually um, know more from an educational standpoint than they did is absolutely absurd uh, if we think about it. And I think that cumulatively you've got all this wealth of knowledge that, that they had that we didn't, not that every single father got it right, you know, and not that every single one of us gets it right. But what I'm trying to say is that there's a great value in, in tradition and in church. And I think that as we look back at some of these things that these men worked out, just because we have logos on our iPad mm-hmm. or whatever doesn't make us a theologian. I think that sometimes we throw that word around a little bit too easily because to be a theologian back then was something substantial. Mm-hmm. And, and the church took great pains to say this person 
was a theologian. And I think that if clergy in America could honestly set aside their ego for 10 minutes and own the fact that none of us know enough Mm -hmm. about justification, I think the church could actually be way more effective and that Christ would be glorified in a greater capacity. It's it's an interesting thing you bring that up. I have a prof in St. Louis who was talking about before he was at the seminary was teaching at one of the universities. And so you, you've got college freshmen and college sophomores and you're interacting and he, whatever the topic was, he got into a debate with the thing. And at the end of the debate, the, the student, you know, they just had to stop and the student goes, well, your guess is as good as mine. Hmm. And the, and the prof looked at him, he said, no, my guess is way better than yours because I've studied this. And, and it, it, it's this notion that if we've thought about Scripture for five minutes, we were an expert on the topic. Yeah. And you think about what Scripture says about training up into the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. You think about the very notion of discipleship that Christ prescribes mm-hmm. in the Great Commission mm-hmm. involves being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe mm-hmm. all that I have commanded you. Now, the final project for my doctor of ministry program, a major part is a study on that passage. And there's a, a Lutheran author that argues that when we translate teaching you to keep or to mm-hmm. observe everything, he, he says a better translation is teaching you to guard everything that I have commanded you. And it's this notion of being immersed and catechized into the faith. So this is what you believe Mm -hmm. and this is why you protect it. Mm -hmm. And and at the core of that system and at the core of that content Mm -hmm. is the doctrine of justification. Right. It it needs to be protected, Mm -hmm. but it needs to be the point so that when you think about justification, your starting point is from an orthodox Christian perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not flailing around with opinions. Mm-hmm. And, and I've had conversations in the last month or two with pastor friends of mine talking about the theories mm-hmm. of justification. That's not a good starting point because justification is rock solid and crystal clear mm-hmm. in scripture. It's not a theory. It's Jesus Christ on the cross in our place for the forgiveness of our sins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I want to just to clarify one thing that I said, I, when we say early church, when I said early church fathers, I, and, and I, I might be wrong in, in thinking this, but I think Chemnitz is in there. Well, in my opinion, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I consider Luther and Chemnitz to be a part of that statement. So I just wanted mm-hmm. to clarify that because I know that justification wasn't always very clearly worked out in the first five centuries of the church. So I just wanted to clarify that mm-hmm. by if somebody but, thought like, well, what is he talking about? Mm-hmm. You know. So, but even in the early church, we had Ambrose and Augustine doing a really good job. I know, absolutely. Of course, the authors of scripture. Mm-hmm. But what you brought up is a valid point because I would say a vast majority of Christians, including Lutheran Christians, have this concept of church history where it was the apostles and maybe Augustine and then about a thousand years of heresy yeah. and then Luther shows up and about 300 years of silence yeah. and then in the 1800s you get to Walther and some of the the, sure. the Lutheran teachers. And that's just, it's a misunderstanding of both the flow of doctrine and the flow of history and mm-hmm. how it's developed. Now, certainly, you know, the Dark Ages wasn't exactly a high time but there's still highlights, like you've got Bernard of Clairvaux and, and you know, 1000 to year 1100 in there, was doing good work on justification mm-hmm. and things like that. But to your point, 
having a historical connection mm-hmm. to the interpretation of scripture is so valued it is. Mm-hmm. and so valuable because then you are not blown through the whims of changing modern culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. j- just for comparison, and I will name names and in, in pick on a denomination here, consider the response of the historical Lutheran denominations. And I think we can count the Missouri Synod at the forefront of what Lutherans are doing. We can appreciate our cousins and our brothers and sisters in the mm-hmm. faith here uh, versus the last 50 years of what's happened with the ELCA and their parent denominations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every time there's been a major shift in cultural focus, the ELCA has bent backwards to change their theology to match the culture. And, yeah. and what you end up with is an atrophying church. Yeah. And you have other denominations, Missouri Synod, uh, we include the AFLC as part mm-hmm. of that, and other denominations that stand fast on the word of God in our confession of faith based on what scripture says and not what the world around us says. Mm-hmm. And again, this is because the article of justification is so immensely important to who mm-hmm. we are and yeah. what we do as Christians. Yeah, amen. Right? It's funny, I was thinking through this, you know, like if you could pick one Theologic, systematic theology book, yeah. it, mine would be Chemnitz, hands down. I wouldn't even have to mm-hmm. think about that. Romans. That's right. I went yeah. there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm just so talk, we're talking about church yeah, fathers no. and stuff. Yeah, right. But seriously, yep. if you haven't read Chemnitz Loci Theological, yeah. Theologica, yep. and if you haven't read his section on justification, mm-hmm. man, do it. Yep. Do yourself a favor. And the reason right. I love his book so much is he does quote a lot of early church fathers. He also talks about heresy. Mm-hmm. So, like, Many of our confessions, you know, the apology and where it explains some of these things, man, he does a phenomenal job at kind of tearing apart some of the other, even at that time, modern theologians Mm -hmm. that were going astray in their doctrine of justification and why it was important. I mean, he also wrote, what, a six-volume thing on his response to the Council of Trent? I know, it's great. (laughs) I know. I mean, holy cow. And he was a brilliant man. Yeah. You know, kind of the second Martin, I think a lot yeah. of people attribute to him. But um, yeah, great theology mm-hmm. book. And I, I keep going back. And every time I keep going back and reading it, I'm like, man, there's so much more to learn. Mm-hmm. And so if anything, you know, I, I guess and, my and heart is... Uh, the thing about the doctrine of justification is it's it's simple... And yet it's so deep at the same time. You'll never get yeah. it all. Right, yeah. It's simple enough for a child to understand. Mm-hmm. It's like, in a sense, the Gospel of John and much other scriptures, where yep. it's like it's simple to for a child to understand, but at the same time, you will never mind the total depth mm-hmm. of theology that's in it. Yep. And thank God. And I think that's what I love about, honestly, theology so much is that there's no glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. There's never going to be a point where you're done learning. No. Mm-hmm. And I love yeah. that. You're never going to be a point where you get to heaven and you're like, man, I wish I would have known less about Justin. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it uh, doesn't work itself out that yeah, way. Right. Amen. Right. Well, as we bring this to a close and we talked about the legal declaration aspect mm-hmm. of uh, uh, justification, Colossians chapter 2 says it so well and so beautifully. Uh, verses 13 through 15. And you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame, love that, by (laughs) triumphing over them in him, in Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. 
Please join us next week as we continue our discussion on the fourth article of the Augsburg Confession, Justification. God bless you and have a great week.